faith and trust. Faith is a unique thing. And this whole week I've been thinking about faith. What is faith? And hopefully we can get some thoughts to you. But as the week was going, certain things hit me. And I want to take you on a journey through the week because then we can get into the, the story of what faith is. Began with this. May I never forget on my best day that I need God as desperately as I did on my worst day. It's easy to, to need God when things are crappy. It's easy to cry out to Him when we got nothing left, when we're in despair and depression hits. It's easier to call up then. But when things are great and we don't need Him, sometimes we don't think about Him. It's interesting how conveniently God is placed in our lives, in our minds, and how we rely on Him based on our circumstances. I've got a quote a little later from the shack that uh, really nails that one in a big way. You'll, you'll really appreciate that, I believe. Next. Some of you saw this on my Facebook. But uh, it's a new um, serenity prayer. And Paul helped me uh, edit even the middle part, which is great. So this is the revised with Paul um, uh, on this. God, grant me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly. The courage to forgive myself because you have already forgiven me. The trust to believe your love will change me. And the wisdom to know that you already love me just the way I am. Most people run into a depressive state when they start forgetting. When they start forgetting they're loved. And we are in a world, especially our Western world in Canada, United States, where people do not even like themselves. And they go to great lengths to harm themselves or to cover the feelings of rejection, to cover the feelings of shame. They find ways to mask the pain. And the coping mechanisms are unbelievable. And we see the pain of that. It comes out in violence usually, either self-violence or towards others. It's, it's a sad thing. But serenity and recognizing, hey, there is hope, even when things are tough. Faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Think about it for just a minute. It does mean you see some stairs. You just may not see the end. It's powerful. Faith. <laughs> what is it? Well, sometimes we need faith and help in our relationships. Sometimes things aren't great between spouses and friends. From a book called Love Sense by Dr. Sue Johnson, fantastic book. Listen to this. Love is a constant process of tuning in, connecting, missing, and misreading cues disconnecting, repairing, and finding deeper connection. It is a dance of meeting and parting and finding each other again, minute to minute, day to day. I thought, wow, that's good. I know some people have lost faith in their partner. Well, maybe it's not your partner, it's the problem. <laughs> maybe, your, maybe your perspective and your expectations are. And when you see something like this, and you're losing faith, 
in a relationship, losing faith in God, let's say, whatever it is. This is not just about relationships in a marriage. This is about people. Do we allow room for people to make mistakes and misunderstand, mis, misinterpret? Are you ever misinterpreted? Are you ever misunderstood? You make a statement and people are suddenly offended? Well, the more you're in a position like mine, it happens all the time. I get in trouble often, usually misunderstood. And uh, sometimes, oops, I, I have to say sorry. But it is a dance, connecting, reconnecting. Missing and misreading cues. So what is faith? Let's, let's look at a dictionary definition, just for fun. I don't like all of it, but faith. The allegiance to duty or a person. Loyalty. Fidelity to one's promises. Sincerity of intentions. Faith. Number two. Belief and trust and loyalty to God. Belief in the traditional doctrines of a religion. Firm belief in something for which there is no proof. Hmm, don't like that one. Complete trust. I like that one. Something that is believed, especially with strong conviction, especially a system of religious beliefs, trust and faith on faith. Without question. Don't like that either. Hmm. From the Bible, there's a couple key verses that talk about what faith is. I'm going to rip through them quick because I, got, I want to highlight on some other ones and might come back to some of these later. But this is a huge, huge topic. One that affects every single person in this room. Faith. To say you don't have faith is a lie. It, that's blindness. Everybody has faith in something. Always. You're sitting. You clearly have faith in the chair that it will hold you up. That's pretty good faith. You have faith. But what is it in? Let's take a look at what the Bible has to say on some of this. Because I, I trust the Bible. I believe it's reliable. I count on it. Are there discrepancies? And can there be fights between people on, on how to understand the Bible? Yes, there is. Why do you think we have so many denominations? <laughs> Everybody has the answer. And better than the other group. So I'm going to keep pointing to love. Pointing to Christ. Because he is, he is the foundation of all scripture. Here's the most popular faith verse in the Bible. The one that most people would use. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Romans 10.17 so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Word of God through Christ. This is, this is big. Sometimes faith, is, it grows from learning and hearing things. Um, are there subjects that you didn't know anything about and then somebody sat down and, and talked to you about a certain subject and you, you, you become... A re- the, the truth becomes revealed about that subject, about a science or a, um, today everybody's talking about these, these new software things and I saw a, a gimmick on the internet of a, a, a laundry folding machine, an automatic folding machine. I thought, that's cool. I never thought of that. That's like wicked. And then I saw the video and how it works. 
Well, now I have faith that that thing exists. Cool. Wouldn't that be neat? Yes, that's cool. Because I heard about it and I saw it. In the same way, faith in God comes from hearing. Hearing it. Sometimes seeing it. And sometimes through relationships of trust where you you trust the person doing the talking and are able then to hear what they're saying. If you don't trust the person, you're not going to believe a single thing that they're saying. It's like politics almost. Anyway. (laughs) Ephesians 2.8 For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing. It is the gift of God. The faith you have is actually a gift. (laughs) That's, That's good news. It's a gift to you. You can't make it up. Because once the information comes, oh, I believe this. It's based on a fact. Get to that later. James 2.17 So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. As in, prove it. If true faith in something, like, honestly, um, um, we have a, a coffee machine in the back. It's called a Keurig. And you, it's like a single cup thing. You pop your thing in, hit the button, and boom, you do, you do one cup. I, once I heard about it, I started using it. Once we had it, I started using it. Now I'm, I'm practicing faith from the, in this machine by using it. It has action attached to it. Same thing with my faith. When I believe in who God is, and my, right now, as I grow in my knowledge and understanding of who God is, and how great His love really is, I'm changing. The actions are happening. There are small changes. Uh, my thinking is changing. I'm reading more, and it's like, what? Learning from more teachers. And God's getting better and better. This mean old ogre that I used to think he was, man, he's actually a nice, nice God. You know, he's, he's not mean. He's not, what? He's not angry? Oh, yeah. I tell you, I've been unlearning religion for the last 15, 16 years. Religion means a system of doing and performing to get God to like you and to stay in good relationship with Him. If you're good, He's good to you. If you're bad, He curses you. That, that's religion. But true, authentic Christian faith is God made you good. And He's done everything to make you good. He has completely forgiven you. Now believe it, because when you do, that faith will have action and your life will change when that belief comes. And, so it's not religion or performance-based, I am already acceptable with God, like we saw in that serenity prayer. We're already good with Him. He's made you right. Now believe it. Start acting like who you really are. We see a lot of people acting like who they aren't but they're acting just like what they have their faith in and what they believe. Hebrews 11, verse 6. From the message, another translation, it says, It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that He exists and that He cares enough to respond to those who seek Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God? Well, guess what? If you don't believe in Him and don't believe He exists, the issue's moot. It's done. (laughs) You don't go any farther. 
But when you have an object of faith, you will have fruit to what that faith is in. Faith. What is faith? (laughs) I've gone to church all my life. I've learned religion really well. I grew up in a certain denomination, and they taught you the rules. And when you broke them, they sure knew how to shame you. It's funny how churchianity does that. Religion. I didn't ever once see Jesus shame anybody. And yet what we do in the typical Western Christian church, and especially in fundamentalism, is you use shame to cause people to feel crappy about themselves, make those that are doing the shaming feel better about themselves. And where's Jesus in the picture? He's, he's not there. He's absent. Not technically, but he's not in the forefront of anybody's mind because everybody's thinking about themselves. That's the system I grew up in. Learned a lot about believing in God. Learned a lot of stories. Stories are great. Yep, they're, they're good. You, there's some great lessons to learn. And I believed my teachers, my Sunday school teachers, the pastors. Believed them all. Loved them. You know? Never questioned them. Ever. Because technically you're not supposed to question the pastor. <laughs> We've had enough conversations here for you to know that uh, here you can, you know, and I'll say, go Google it. You, know? <laughs> you don't trust me because of my role. You trust me because you believe I am trusting God to teach. You can trust, even what I say, you need to look up in scripture to make sure it's there. Don't just trust it because it's a great message. I I can't do fake. I will teach from my heart. I will teach from what I truly believe. I can't teach something I do not believe. I just can't do that anymore. I could parrot people. I've done that in the past. I can't anymore. Even if it's a really good teaching and I want to reteach it, I have to believe it or it's not coming out. I have to make it my own. You see, I never questioned any of the answers given to me until difficulties came. Until the dung hit the fan. And that's King James for a farming term. Just in case you didn't know. Fertilizer. When the crap hit the fan, Christian rules and procedures, then I began to question things. I began to question, wait a minute. You just finished saying God loves everybody, but now you just said, he, he can't stand those people. How, how does that fit? And I began to question things. I began to question heaven and hell. And I, it, uh, this week I was thinking back to a time when, uh, before I was married, I was laying in bed, and I was wrestling with these questions of an all-loving God. Is he all-loving or not? What does it mean? And honestly, it hit me. My pastor told me this. Fine, I'll just have to trust him because he obviously must know more. (laughs) That's so not true. That's why we need the whole body of Christ. Each of us brings revelation and understanding to Scripture and helps us make sense of it. Had a lot of questions. No surprise then, when troubles and crisis come, faith is then called into question. Where is this God who said he would rescue me? I was told that if I'm good, God's going to bless me. 
That's what we tell people. Become a Christian. Your life will be wonderful. What kind of lie is that? They're implying your circumstances will now be happy. That's not true. In fact, I've seen the opposite. A crisis of faith comes. Now all these changes are going to be happening in their lives. And it's actually hard. And yet, with the encouragement of good believers that are, actually understand God is love, they can flourish and grow quickly. No problem there. Some religious people, in the face of trouble, will have really silly answers. Really, uh, what do you call that? When they just quickly whip off an answer and expect it to, to really speak to your heart. Like, you need to have more faith. That's what I heard a lot. Well, your faith was weak. Or you didn't have enough faith. That's why they died. That's why they're sick. And all these ridiculous answers that I still hear today. It's terrible. You just need to have more faith. So I tried to muster up more faith. How do you do it? The religious church will tell you how. Go read your Bible more. Pray more. Give more. Go to church. Participate. Serve in all these areas. Well, then you're just doing religious stuff. How about just loving people in the context of where you are planted? We don't need a lot of church programs. Go be Christ to people. Love them unconditionally with ulterior, without ulterior motives. Hmm. I tried to muster it up. All that self-effort didn't work. And this made me ask the question, what is faith? What is faith? I discovered a few things that might surprise you as it did me. First of all, faith is not blind. You know, the one definition said it's without proof. That's not explained enough. There are people who, because they heard somebody say this message or a sermon, or like I said, you've been listening to the minister too long, or a specific teacher too long, and that's all you listen to, that can become blind because then you tune out everything else and you're stuck on faith in a person, not Christ. Faith is not blind. Number two, it isn't jumping off a cliff into unknown darkness. Although that looks like fun. <laughs> well, there's a water level there. This is, that's all underwater. But uh, you can't quite tell. Anyway, it isn't jumping off a cliff into unknown darkness and go, okay, I don't know what's there. I've been told to... What? Just trust. Have faith. In what? It's, it, it's not without a foundation. And that's what some people think faith is. In fact, it's the opposite. Faith is jumping into light. Not darkness. It's jumping into a revelation of something you have been told is true. And inside, you know it's true. There's an internal peace. And the reason I say this is because everybody is hardwired with faith. There is something in every single human, I call it light, that shines through. And when truth comes in your ears, and it's true truth from God, the light that is already in you will resonate with that and go, I believe that. Well, how'd that happen? Did you make it happen? No, it didn't. It happened spiritually, supernaturally. You just know. Conviction. We covered that word earlier. True faith is based on facts. It's not goobly goop. It's not made up stuff. 
How do we trust our Bible? Well, first of all, there is so much historical and scientific evidence to prove it. It's time to marry science again. The church left science alone thinking science and faith can't go together. That's baloney. Science approves and affirms and builds faith in a very big way. Archaeology is revealing things like you wouldn't believe in the last 50 years. The stuff that's been uncovered will blow your mind. Giving more and more credibility to the stories, to the people of faith we've learned about. Faith is an internal confidence in the truth that's been revealed. Faith is a gift that God gives you. Any truth he has shown you is your faith. That's the simplistic way to say it. Any truth he's placed in you is your faith. You're not mustering it up. You don't need more faith. Nobody can get more, more faith because everything we need has been placed in us. The more we believe it, the greater our faith grows. The, the stronger the conviction of what we believe grows. That's growing faith. We don't need more faith. It just needs to mature. It isn't about the amount of faith you have, but rather in what or whom you place it. Everyone in this world has faith. A deep internal spiritual hunger. Everybody has it. Every single country in this world, every religion, there's, there's like unbelievable evidence of a spiritual hunger. Whether it's Christian, whether it's Buddhism, Muslim, who knows. Everybody has spiritual hunger. It's there. Here's what it says in Hebrews 11, 1-2. And from the message, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's a powerful statement. I've had many discussions with people over the years about trouble when it comes and thinking about the future and worrying about the future and the uh, last number of years, we've had economy discussions and the market's crashing. And, you know, uh, we say, hey, the, uh, what do you think's going to happen? Well, I don't know. I really hope it gets better. better. And I've had religious people use these kinds of responses. They say, don't hope. Uh, believe in faith. Believe in faith. And almost with an irritation attached to it. You know, you've got to say the right words. Say it the right way. You know, you don't just hope. But you've got to have faith. Believe in faith. What do you mean believe in faith? I don't believe in faith. I believe in Jesus. He is my faith. And I'll point that out later. From this perspective, to acknowledge that an outcome, any different and even remotely possible, any remote possibility translates to a lack of faith. So if you say, I believe that the economy will get great and I'm going to win the lottery and you're going to buy faith... Pray that. <laughs> okay? Anything that doesn't match your prayer is a problem. You just set up a new standard for everybody else to fit into. Don't get sucked into other people's boxes. Their definitions of what they think faith is. Let the Holy Spirit, let God show you what faith is to you. Look at what Scripture says about faith. Be teachable, not gullible. Take it all in. Think about it. 
Faith isn't thinking positive thoughts about a situation until you finally conceive or convince yourself that it'll work out the way you want. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. Three Hebrew young men were threatened with being thrown into the fiery furnace because they refused to bow down to an idol of the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. Their response was one of great faith. Their response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king Nebuchadnezzar, your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up. Get it? Cook up. (laughs) <laughs> oh king <laughs> oh I better not <laughs> um, <okay>. oh king <laughs> but even if he doesn't it wouldn't make a bit of difference oh king we still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up this is huge Their faith was in their God, regardless of what the outcome was. They weren't thinking, God's going to rescue us from this fire. I have faith. I have faith in this. I have faith. Come on, guys. We've got to say this together. Let's repeat it together as a group. And so so it'll happen. We, we, We can make God do this. Do you know something they also didn't have, these poor guys? They didn't have a Bible. They didn't have this book that showed stories of God's faithfulness throughout history. They didn't go to the Bible, oh, look back, guys, see? See this guy here? He got saved, and so this guy got saved. See, we got a chance now. We got a chance, man. They didn't have that. They had the the conviction in them of their God. Do you see the difference? It's not faith in the outcome. Faith in who's in control. (laughs) They said our God is going to deliver us one way or another. Either we see him sooner (laughs) or he'll deliver us to this fire too. Either way, we're going to trust him. That's, That's pretty strong. That's a pretty deep conviction. These guys were set apart. This was like high-ranking faith stuff. We can't try to use what we, what many call faith, as a way to force God's hand and get Him to do it. You can't use faith and terminology to force God's hand for your will. You can't say, I need 500 likes on this page and then God will answer my prayer. You can't say, I need more and more people praying in order for God to really hear me. Oh, God's going to go, sorry, you're short two people. I know you had 8,000, but you're short two. That's how ridiculous the concept is. Okay? When you go for the numbers... If you're going to put it out there to have God pray for a bunch of people, do it in the context of, I'm inviting people to join me in prayer because my heart is heavy. And then they respond by saying, we will feel your heavy heart with you. Let's pray with you. That is grace in action. That's not manipulation or trying to twist God's arm. (laughs) Faith. Faith. 
To confidently walk in God's will for your life, the only thing you need to do is trust Him. Faith is nothing more or nothing less than looking at things through the lens of confidence in God and His Word. Which means you need to know His Word. Yeah, pretty cool, eh? We all have stuff to learn. And none of us have it all figured out. The answer then to feelings of weak faith is simply to focus on the truths we do know about God. When crisis hits you, and I've told you this story before, I'll keep this part short, but a certain person I know, when all hell broke loose and his life began to fall apart and family fall apart, all in front of him, he said, I don't know what I believe anymore, I give up. Wait a minute. No. God. I still believe in God. But that's it. I had to start rediscovering grace and faith from the place of pain, which is a beautiful place to search from. You're far more teachable. Because you don't go at it as in trying to come up with this idea of what you think God is and faith is and make sure you find all the evidence to prove what you already believe. That's not called growing. It's called mimicking. And there is affirming of things you believe. That's good. I'm not saying that's not important. I'm saying you need to spread outside of what you already know and realize there's much more for us to learn. No one church has it all figured out. No one denomination and no individual has it all. We're not that good. Do you feel like you have weak faith? Then remind yourself of who God is. And right there we have a problem. Some people have a very funny concept of who they think God is. It's time to discover the God of grace. The God who's absolutely nuts about you and loves you unconditionally. Your behavior, your past, none of it has any effect on God when it comes to loving you. He loves you unconditionally, fully. He accepts you. Baggage and all. He knows the baggage isn't who you are. It's where you've been and what you're carrying with you. And he says, give me your burdens. I'll make your journey lighter. Let me carry this. And do you know how he does it? (laughs) Through people. Through you and me. Through the unique, exact places where we bump into people at just the right time to nudge them towards an area of faith they need to go. Every connection you have is not a mistake. None of it's by accident. All of you are here this morning for a reason and on purpose. Even if I didn't want to come this morning. Yeah, but you're here. And the love of Christ will permeate your heart one way or another. Whether you like it or not, he's speaking to you and encouraging you. Throw yourself at him with full abandon. Learn to trust him. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, my body, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You're not even living your own life anymore. You're living a oneness with Christ. 
Most translations in our English translations will say this, I live by faith in the Son of God. The actual, literal translation says, I live by faith of the Son of God. It's not even your faith. We live by His faith. Well, that changes things, because if you read the verse, I live by faith in the Son of God, that's up to you to maintain your faith in God. Well, He's the one holding you up. What are you talking about? All the faith you have is up to Him. Now, wake up and smell the coffee. The coffee of faith that's brewing in you. See the coffee theme? All right. Last story. Oops, maybe not. Don't worry, you just have to come back next week. When your faith seems weak, don't worry about it. What else can we expect of ourselves? Thank God, Jesus has enough faith that if we'll simply cling to Him, everything is going to work out just fine. Live by His faith. It's a lot easier than trying to muster up your own. Do you know there are people that have negative faith? Do you know what negative faith is? <laughs> yeah. When I explain it, you go, yes. Some people have negativity being broadcasted inside them practically all the time. Sometimes it's a conscious broadcast. Other times it's subconscious. This negativity causes them to look at a scenario and immediately see the negative aspects of it. For example, this man at the well. Well, at the, not the well. At the, um, well, he is going to get, hopefully get well, but he's, he's at a pool of Bethsaida where occasionally it was, tradition was that an angel would come and stir the water so if it bubbled up, first one in gets healed. And it wasn't just this wading pool like we see with, in parks with little kids splashing with splash pads. This thing was 100 feet deep. So if you're going to go in, you're going in. Oh yeah, by faith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this guy has been there for a long, 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 long time. And Jesus comes through, walking through, seeing all these sick people. Think about that for a minute. Jesus is seeing all these sick people. And he he goes up to this guy. Now, if I was Jesus, I'd be saying, get in the line, put your hands out. And run down in a big cheering thing. Heal, 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 heal. And just give the, give the slap of heal them all. Boom, 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 boom. That'd be, well, why not? They're all sick. And if I'm Jesus, I can heal them all. Woo-hoo. Wouldn't that be fun? That would make the newspapers. That'd be so cool. Run through the hospitals. Do that. Jesus goes up to one man and asks him, Do you want to be well? I don't have my Bible up here because I left it on my desk. But here's what happens. The guy doesn't even answer. He says, I can't get into the pool. Somebody always beats me in there when the water thing goes like this. And I can't get in there. Somebody else always rushes in ahead. And I've been here for years and years and years and years. The question was, do you want to be well? He immediately got negative and gave all the reasons why he can't get well. Do we do that? Never. It won't work. They are prophets of doom to themselves. They say stuff like, I've always been like this. I can't change. Well, that's pretty positive. 
And we do say that about other people. They'll never change. (laughs) We know some of those people. But they can. They would never work. My situation is different. How can I have any hope in this situation? I'm unique. Did you ever hear how to catch a unique rabbit? Unique up on it. Sorry. Boo, I know, Pastor Groan. People have a thousand reasons why they won't, why it won't change and work for them. They have, well, I got this going on, I got that going on, I got this, I got this problem, well, I'm too scared to do this, boom, 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 and the list goes on. They say they wish they could change, but then they prosecute their own case by reminding themselves of all the reasons why things will never change. I'm going to read this quote to you. They are master- this is from Steve McVeigh's book, uh, Walking in the Will of God. They are masters of imagining potential scenarios and superimposing a negative outcome onto them. Their tendency is to play out a scene in their mind that hasn't even happened yet. It is borrowing trouble when none even exists at the moment. It is appropriating negative faith that things will turn out in a negative way. This kind of negativity is a sour note that will deeply affect any of us who hear it if we don't change stations. Here's how it happens. As a discordant background music plays in our minds, it creates a certain mood in us. That mood influences the way we think about things. When we combine the way a person both thinks and feels together, these create a certain paradigm on life. It is a negative one. This negative paradigm determines our expectations when we face any situation in life. That expectation is nothing less than a reflection of our faith. Jesus said, according to your faith, so be it unto you. It becomes clear then that some of us are going through life expressing great faith, negative faith. Then we wonder why things don't seem to go our way. According to your faith, be it unto you. Wow. What we believe. Why did Israel wander in the desert for 40 years? Because they didn't have faith. It was negative. You can't blame bad luck. You can't blame God. And you can't blame others. The truth is that fault lies squarely on your own refusal to believe in God's basic goodness. And in his desire to guide you. Are you waiting for God to act? When's he going to show up? Why hasn't he been good to me? I want to read to you from the shack. If you haven't read the shack, it's one of the best books on where's God when things go really bad, when you have much pain in your life. It is a must read. In fact, it's coming out as a movie next March. Oh, yeah. Google it. It's there. Listen to this quote. The story is about a guy named Mac who's trying to figure out who God is. And he goes to a, a shack where his daughter was murdered and discovers Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. And here's the com- one of the conversations. It's a powerful book. Mac, do you realize that your imagination of the future, which is almost always dictated by fear of some kind, rarely, if ever, pictures me there with you? So why do I have so much fear in my life? Mac asks. 
Jesus responds, Because you don't believe. You don't know that we love you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The person who lives by their fears will not find freedom in my love. I am not talking about rational fears regarding legitimate dangers, but imagined fears, and especially the projection of those into the future. To the degree that those fears have a place in your life, you neither believe I am good nor know how deep your heart in your heart that I love you. You sing about it, you talk about it, but you don't know it. To force my will on you, Jesus replied, is exactly what love does not do. Genuine relationships are marked by submission, even when your choices are not helpful or healthy. <laughs> submission is not about authority and is not obedience. It is all about relationships of love and respect. In fact, we are submitted to you in the same way. Why would the God of the universe want to be submitting to me? Jesus, because we want you to join us in our circle of relationship. I don't want slaves to my will. I want brothers and sisters who share life with me. When I am your life, submission is the most natural expression of my character and nature and it will be the most natural expression of your new nature within relationships. Wow. This is heavy. Almost done. Will you lay a hold of the hope that's being given to you? Are you going to grab it? Do you see it in front of you? Can you? Is there a wishing in you? Oh, I hope this is true. <laughs> Good. That's God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Or think. Or think. According to the power that works in us. He's able to do great things in and through you. The power in you is big. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. This is a powerful verse. Will you believe it or not? The outcome is up to you. How you live out your week is up to you. But his love is relentless and it will pursue you. He loves you. He accepts you. He's forgiven you. He's made you good. Now be good. Let's pray.